The MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by BetQL. Your bracket may bust, but your bankroll never has to with BetQL. Use promo code MARCH30 for 30% off the entire year of BetQL. That's BetQL promo code MARCH30. We're also brought to you by Odds Crowd. Odds Crowd's $8,000 March Madness contest is heating up. Don't forget to enter your picks and see all the free contests. Download your app today at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds. We're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is your home for free daily video picks from SGPN. It's like YouTube for sports gambling. Make sure to subscribe to our profile at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. And we're also brought to you by PicksWise. Follow the PicksWise Capper Contest at PicksWise.com for free picks and analysis throughout the tournament from the likes of John Rothstein, Rashad Phillips, Jeff Nadu, and more. See which expert is trending hot as they battle it out for a winner-takes-all $10,000 prize over at PicksWise.com. And finally, we're brought to you by Better Edge. Better Edge operates like a stock exchange for the sports world. Pick the teams that you like and have somebody else buy the other side of that bet. Sign up at BetterEdge.com, promo code SGP, for a free $10 play. That's B-E-T-T-O-R-Edge.com, promo code SGP. We're back, baby. Back in your ear holes. And let me tell you, it's pretty disgusting up in here. You should clean once in a while. It's the <laughs> MMA Gambling Podcast with the dad jokes right off the bat on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, episode 22. It's only taken me 22 episodes to thank um, the band that supplied our intro and outro music. Um, if you like, the song, or even if you don't like the song, it's by them regardless. Um, it will be the guys. They're defunct now because I guess they're a bunch of quitters, but they are on um, all the streaming devices, or at least they're on Spotify. Uh, it would be the guys. Um, like I said, they don't make music anymore, but they got some good tunes. Um, and I hear they have an older brother who's super handsome and smart and cool. Um, <laughs> on a totally unrelated note, my name's Jeff Fox, and I'm the host of this here gambling podcast i also am a writer and editor at sportsgamblingpodcast.com and i write and i run basically mma-manifesto.com uh it's probably it's probably i keep saying it's almost a decade it probably is at least a decade by now uh, it's got to be a decade because i think i've yeah. been writing for you for a decade which means that you it, it must have been a decade there you go now the voice you hear is someone who very rudely spoke before he was even introduced <laughs> which is a big no-no and i've i've got uh, I've got other beasts with that guy. Um, that would be Daniel Gumby Vreeland. Um, before I actually let him speak again, I'm going to air my grievances right here because he's really messing <laughs> things up on this here show, um, the whole dynamics and, and how we do things around here. First of all, we're um, the mediocre boys. Meeting our picks are supposed to be mediocre. Um, I went six and four last week, which is a bit better than mediocre, but uh, I, I lost money, so I'm mediocre. Um Dan went nine and one. That is not mediocre. Um, that's not what we promised the people. He's got nine and one, seven and three, nine and six over the past what three weeks. So that is not mediocre. So that's my first. Um, Wait, you thing. didn't mention how much money I won though either. You, and you, he's you won over the money total. <laughs> yeah, it's like over a thousand bucks over the past two weeks. So he's still in the hole. So, um, but uh, other than other than that, and him constantly speaking before I actually introduce him, um, 
the other issue is um, the whole dynamics of the show is I'm the one who does a bit better than he does, and then I rag on him the whole show. Um, I'm the heel, basically, and he's the baby face. And um, I gain sympathy for him that way with, with the crowd by ripping on him and, like, asking, like, totally inappropriate questions out of the blue, like uh, odds on how many people are going to die from COVID at a UFC event, stuff like that. Like, totally... <laughs> inappropriate heel-like things i say out of the blue uh to make him uncomfortable um but that's it's worked um we're like the most popular podcast ever i heard on uh apple we're like we get like two two billion streams a week so it's been working um and he figures he's gonna make a fiery comeback on the heel now and he's gonna actually make correct picks and that's i don't know how the show is gonna be able to go forward uh from here on out do i have to make a heel turn do I, do I have to like Possibly. yeah hit hit somebody with a chair or something like that it's like a, I I feel like that's that's needed now it's about time that you start <laughs> fighting back against against the bully so um after all that um yeah his name's Daniel Gumby Vreeland um no oh my other beef is his dog's not named uh, Pokey that's totally <laughs> I he's dropped the ball there um he hosts the Top Turtle MMA podcast and he hosts Prelim Picker and he's like. Speaking of dogs or puppies, he's like my a little puppy that follows me everywhere I everywhere I go and write. So he he's gone to Sports Gambling Podcast and he's at MMA Manifesto. He's my my um my little companion that follows me every everywhere he goes. Even though it took him at least five years to have me on as a guest on his own podcast. <laughs> regardless, that's I think I've aired all my grievances. Um and we'll introduce the man who has been killing it uh the past We'll go four weeks because you were four and four the week before. The past four weeks, uh, Daniel Gumby Vreeland. Hi, Dan. Yeah, that four and four is actually pulling me down, though. So maybe we won't yeah. count that one in the, the recent string. But yeah, you had to get all the the grievances out because you know, not only did I hit nine out of ten picks, but I also hit three fairly juicy underdogs in there too, including one incredibly juicy underdog. Yeah, I. I knew the uh, tsunami uh, was coming to watch over me, <laughs> so I had to get all my uh, petty grievances out because this this episode is all about Dan uh, gloating. But I think he's a better man than me, and I doubt he's going to gloat very much. So, <laughs> he, yeah, nine and one at um, UFC on ESPN, UFC Fight Night, UFC Vegas, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Brunson versus Holland, seven and three week before, nine and six the week before that. So that would be what sixteen and nine. That would be twenty five and ten over the past three weeks. We figured it was going to turn around eventually, um, and it finally has, and boy, has it ever. Yeah. It, uh, you know, like, I feel like, too, the the picks make more – like, the fact that I'm getting more right now is not because I changed the way I picked either, or it's not because we're doing something drastically different when we're breaking them down. It's just that, like, the correct amount of underdogs has reverted back to the mean, which, like, we say all the time. We we said earlier – when we were breaking down stuff before the fight cards of 2021 started and there was that weird little gap, we said, like, things revert to the mean. So, like, while the the numbers were really weird and there was tons of underdogs winning and all that kind of stuff, like, you can't follow that trend because it's a general trend, right? And it's, you know, small sample size trends and stuff like that. And, you know, if you look back at this past weekend, what was there? There are four underdogs who won. That's right around the average of what you get in a 10-fight fight card. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's about a third. It's almost exactly. Um, since I've been tracking it since 2020, it's pretty much exactly right there at at a third. So if, you know, you have, we ended up with 
10 fights last night. Um, we were going to have 12, but we can talk about that in a bit. But um, so yeah, so there should have been, you know, three, four underdogs coming through. Um, I think basically is what Dan's saying is, is nature is finally healing is what's going on. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Which is, which is good news for, for his bank account. Um, Like I said, I didn't do too bad. I've actually on a decent string too. I'm 14 and six over the past two weeks, um, which isn't too shabby. I did lose money on this a little bit of money on this past weekend. Uh, We we can get through uh, that in a bit. Uh, Overall for the year, I am up to 50% finally, which is good. That's the first goal. Then I got to get back up to, uh, I like to get at least 60%. I'm at 54, 54, um, still down. Almost well, twenty seven hundred bucks about because um, I bet all these hundred bucks in each one for real. I'm really down that much money in real life, um, so I'm uh, not doing so hot there. Dan uh, is getting closer to five hundred two. He's fifty one, fifty seven, forty seven percent with his picks, but he has lost less money than I have now after all these underdogs that came through the past uh, last night, and uh, he he hit nice juicy underdogs uh, last week or two weeks ago too. So he's down about twenty three hundred bucks, but he's creeping creeping uh, up there. Um, my other beef with Dan is uh, we started a thing with uh, calling lock picks about <laughs> four weeks ago, uh, four four shows ago, um, and the first time both our locks fell through before the fight happened, which is what happens nowadays. Um, but since that time, I've gone three and zero. I haven't lost in any of my locks, including last week. Um, so I'm three and zero. If you bet 100 bucks, which you should, uh, I'm up 172 bucks, 57% return on investment. That is insane. Dan, on the other hand, uh, how'd you lock do last week, Dan? Nine in one week. It was the only loss I had. Oh, his only loss he had was his lock. I don't, I don't even know what to say about that either. Other than it was, I mean, like that fight was confusing to me. The, the guy who, who looked terrible in his first three UFC bouts came out and looked like an absolute changed man and then attributed it to his training having changed to uh, to training with Henry Cejudo, which I guess makes sense, right? Like, I guess if you're yeah. going to, if you're going to make a huge change, might as well train with, you know, one of the best guys in your division of all time. Uh, and he looked like he did. So that was, uh, yeah, Bruno Silva over JP Bay's the only one I missed. The first one of the night, I had a sense of impending doom after going 0-1 and then just, Casually hit the next nine. Yes, casually. So anyhow, um, he's kind of filibusting here because I was uh, trying to say <laughs> he, he's one and two now and down 104, 139 bucks uh, on his locks. So w- we know smart people, smart gamblers, which you all are. Um, you're not going to bet on every fight on every every card. We, we give you our predictions on every fight, but you can choose which what to listen to. The hardcore degens, sure, um, but you're you're beyond help. So uh, that's, <laughs> uh, that's on you. Um, so I, I feel it's far more important to hit your lock pick than it is to, to just go nine and nine and one on a week. So I think you're doing uh, the listeners a disservice, and I'm still way smarter and cooler because I've hit three three in a row. Yeah, maybe, but I will <laughs> say I, I think the the biggest value. Uh, if you're doing these types of things, the lock is good. But also, I I've always kind of prided myself in being the underdog guy, uh, and I told you pretty pretty clearly that I loved one of the underdogs in this card, and we're gonna get to it eventually. So I'm oh, not gonna I'm not gonna jump the gun. You I'm gonna, your underdogs I'm gonna postpone postpone my satisfaction uh, just a little bit because actually the first fight we're gonna talk about too is also an underdog I hate. 
Oh, underdog this and underdog that. It's just nonstop with this guy. Um, all right. I don't, guess I can't hold him back much longer. He he's, he wants to burst with all his awesome picks. But <laughs> before that, let me uh, let me tell you quickly about BetQL, one of our awesome sponsors. Um, looking to get an edge and make smarter bets during March Madness? Of course you are. Uh, BetQL's algorithms scan thousands of data points across every game to find the best bets. Easily find the most profitable bets based on their top betting trends. Your back is made bust, but your bankroll doesn't have to. Head to BetQL.com and get started today. You can go over to the App Store or Google Play to download the app. Make sure you bet smarter, not harder. And use the code MARCH30 for 30% off BetQL for a year. So that's BetQL.com, promo code MARCH30. Um, and anytime I am on there, I see some um, picks with, like, massive success rates. They were, like, 70. I've, I think I saw some in the 90s before for, for games, which is pretty uh, crazy. They have all your March Madness ones, and they're all, like, 50% plus like success rate. I'm looking at it right now. You got 72 success rate for uh, NBA games, 75%. So they are the place you want to go to uh, before you uh, before you make your make your bets on whatever sport of your choosing. All right, uh, let's talk about UFC on ESPN Brunson versus Holland. I feel first of all we lost, even though we record our preview show later in the week now, and it's up. On, uh, up on and in your ear, disgusting, dirty ear holes uh, every, what, Thursday morning, we still had two fights fall out uh, after that time. Um, Julia Stolia-Renko, uh, easy for me to say, um, she made weight, but then she passed out twice while, while making weight. Um, apparently, it was due to... Um, the weight of the extra J in her first name, I heard, uh, I heard weighed her down and made her fall. <laughs> no, that's a bad joke, and it is also very inappropriate to make fun of someone um, who had a health scare. But uh, I'm only saying it because she, uh, because I think it's funny, but also because she, um, she seems to be okay now. Uh, yeah, I don't she, think it, she, she recorded a video. I, I feel yeah. like you're you're in good shape if, if she records <laughs> a video afterwards and talks about how she was okay and this is part of weight cutting, uh, although it shouldn't be. But, like, it, exactly. you know, at least she is uh, seemingly in good health now. Yes. Um, yeah. It, I was – apparently – so, basically, that was the fight between the Julius. Um, and the, Julia Vila, the Raging Panda, didn't get to fight um, because of this. And um, it's making me think that maybe extreme weight cutting and, like, dehydrating yourself to the point of, of death may not – be healthy, but I think we'll probably have to wait until at least <laughs> at least a couple. We have a couple like um, UFC fighters die before we really know for sure whether weight cutting is is uh, dangerous or not. Yeah, I you know, and, and this comes up every single time somebody misses weight. Never mind when somebody has like a bad weight cut like this. But like also like you know you see the nutritionalists come out of the works like Mike Dolce or Tyler Minton or, or like whoever. But like. They're right to an extent that, like, the the level of weight cutting sometimes that, that fighters undergo is not done healthily. Like, like she could have come into fight week lighter than she did. Like, right. And, like, you know, I'm not trying to body shame anybody here, too, but, like, she's not, like, a crazy fit trim person leading into this fight. Like, she could be just in better shape and just lighter coming into this fight and coming into, but like she chooses not to, and then she chooses to water weight drop, you know, whatever ridiculous number we're seeing here. And I think that that's like ultimately the biggest problem is that like fighters who 
who could be come in a little bit lighter and then water weight less, uh, don't do that. And then in addition to that too, like, you know, like fighters should just move up a weight when it's an option. Obviously it's not for Stoliarenko, but like, you know, some of those fighters who are, who are, you know, killing, I mean, like look at Grant Dawson, who we'll talk about later. He yeah. finally just was like, screw this. I'm going to lightweight. It's crazy that I keep trying to make featherweight and he looked good doing it. So like, yeah. you know, like, I think fighters need to make that decision for themselves, but if they're not going to make that decision for themselves, you know, it's going to take a really long time for commissions and in UFC to, to sort of do away with the ideas of weight cuts. You know, you get the, everybody brings up the one FC system. There is no transparency with that. We have no idea how well it works. We have no idea if they're actually weighing in over at one FC. So we're not even going to like say that that's a great system, but like in order to implement something like that, you basically have to undo 25 years of what you've been doing. And even more than that, because the, really the system comes from wrestling and boxing, right? Which has yeah. been doing that same thing for a hundred years, Never mind, you know, the last 25. So I think if you're looking for a large scale change, you're probably going to be waiting for a really long time. So I hope that more fighters see stuff like this and are like, make a better conscious decision to hire a nutritionalist or to use the UFC PI or whatever, so that this, uh, so that we don't get, like you said, a couple of deaths of UFC fighters. No, I'm I'm afraid that's what it's it's going to take, uh, or that that may not even even do the case, uh, do the trick either, because it's happened in you know smaller promotions that. Mm-hmm. That don't have, I'm sure, the the level of medical attention that that these uh, UFC fighters can get immediately if if they're in issue, uh, having trouble. Um, yeah, one FC has an interesting idea, but like you said, there's zero transparency. This is they claim to have like what like three billion, <laughs> three billion. Uh, yeah, yeah. Every um, single event's watched by by 304 billion people exactly uh, yeah. worldwide online. Yeah. Um and in it's unrivaled and it's. What what did Chatri say one, that one time? Uh, he said they had a war chest of investments, and then like the report came out that they had lost like five hundred million the last year yeah. or something. Yeah, but you know that they have interesting you know ideas. Um, but but like I said, no no transparency. And you know we've had fighters have seizures. We've had guys claim their hearts have stopped. You know we we've had some pretty horrific things happen already, but it doesn't seem to like it's going to stop any anytime soon because. Um, I, I will have to mention, at least during like the past pandemic, the past year, we have been seeing, I don't have the data behind it, but I feel like we've been seeing a lot of fighters uh, do like what Grant Dawson, Aphrometric Grant Dawson does, and they've actually moved up a class rather than, than cutting weight. I'm not sure if it's if it's just something I've noticed or if it's actually the case, but uh, it seems like that's been happening more often the past year, at least. Yeah. Anecdotally, like think about it. Like I've seen Brian Kelleher do it. Cody Stamen, uh, Ricky Simon, um, Jimmy Rivera. Those are all just bantamweights to featherweights. And I know a couple of them fought each other doing that too. But like, I mean, when I talked to Jimmy Rivera about it, Jimmy Rivera was like, I felt so good that I'm actually thinking featherweight is right for me and maybe I'm all done at bantamweight. And, and he just right. lost at bantamweight and, like, that's probably something to do with it too, right? Like, if you lose a couple yeah. in a row and you were you thought you were a contender or were damn close, sometimes a new division just feels like, okay, this is a fresh start, a chance for me to make a title run up here. But, like, he fought once up there and he was like, I feel incredible. And, it like, yeah, like, the difference between those two things, I, I mean, it's wild. Like, from, from the perspective of somebody who's done it once or twice, and, and I'm, I'm not saying I'm a professional fighter, but for jiu-jitsu tournaments, I have weight cut before. And I, I made, like, I, I'm a big dude. I, I'm like six foot three, 
and I made it down to 179 a couple of times. And let me tell you something, I feel awful. Like, you just don't compete as well as you do when you feel like your full self. When I'm competing at 200 pounds, I feel infinitely better. So, like, and granted, that's I'm not a professional athlete. I'm not anywhere near a professional athlete. But uh, it's noticeable how different you feel when you have weight cut the day before versus how you haven't. So I hope, like I said, more people like Jimmy Rivera, Grant Dawson, consider that kind of thing. Right. Um, and the other fight that um... – that we lost was uh, the co-main event. Unfortunately, I was looking forward to seeing the return of Gregor Gillespie. Uh, he he was supposed to fight Brad Riddell, up and coming New Zealander, right? Or is he Australian? Mm, New Zealand. I do not one know the answer that question. <laughs> one, one, one click in the mouse, Jeff. New rather Zealand. Than putting Dan, New, putting Zealand. New Zealand. Okay, right. <laughs> yeah, I knew that. I was reading all that. But anyhow, that fight got pulled for COVID um, protocol. So hopefully that gets just bumped up to a, a card uh, in the next week or two. So um, so that brought us down. That's a long way of me saying that was a nice, what, 10-minute uh, segue into saying, well, we were down to 10 fights last night. Um, fun night of, of action. Lots of, not there was, what, one, two, three, four, five, six knockouts. Um, is that right? Yeah, six knockouts, four, four decisions. Um, I, what I wanted to say is it wasn't really um, – significance wise none of them really none of the fights really made much of a of a difference other than maybe the main event none of them really have much of a difference at at the at the top level of the sport um but we'll start with the main event uh Derek Brunson uh obviously doesn't like fun because he he beat Kevin Holland uh I put my money on the side of fun and Dan obviously is the opposite of that and he, (laughs) he likes boring things and he he went for the went for the wrestler you would think the guy with the dyed uh, blonde hair would be the fun guy but no he he just wanted to wrestle and act mean and a, like a big bully the whole night anytime kevin holland did anything fun or started lighting him up on the feet he would just wrestle him to the ground and beat him up for another three minutes uh straight so um like the reason why i was saying this doesn't really make much of a difference is i i should have paid attention to my performance rankings that I have on my website, MMA-Manifesto.com, because I already had Brunson ranked third uh, based on his performances. Um, I didn't have it ranked. The numbers had him ranked third, just behind Whitaker and and Izzy. Um, and he this this hasn't changed that. He's he's moving even closer to the top after that performance. So it hasn't changed things. Yeah, I would want to say it hasn't changed things uh, on my rankings. It's maybe changed things in my eyes um, and hopefully it's changed things in everybody else's eyes because it's about time he, he starts getting some respect or as the kids say, they got to put some respect on his name. Yeah. I I think too, in, I was, I rem, if you go back and listen to when we broke this down, I was shocked he was an underdog. I, I couldn't right. believe that they were listing him as an underdog. Um, and it's because like, I think so many people when they look at Derek Brunson and, and like you said, there wasn't any respect in its name is because if you go back and look at him when he was like, Oh yeah, I'm just going to go brawl with Israel Adesanya or like, I'm just going to go brawl with Jacare or I'm just going to go, you know, try to outstrike Anderson Silva. Like when you go back and look at all of those fights, he doesn't look like a world beater. He doesn't look like a challenger. He doesn't look like anybody worth noting anywhere near the top five. But after he lost to Idesanya, he really recommitted in his wrestling. And I know some of that's due to the move to Sanford MMA, which I know happened sometime within the last three to five fights. Um, and since he's moved there, like, 
he's recommitted in his wrestling. Like, look what he did to Edmund Shabazian. And I think that's what people are overestimating is like they're or underestimating rather is that like, if you look back at what he's done as a whole, you'd be like, Oh, it's really easy to write this guy off. But if you look back just since that loss to Israel Adesanya, the guy looks like a killer. The, the guy looks like he's, a, he could be a problem for a ton of people in this division. Yeah. It's four straight wins for him. Um, First one was Elias Theodoro, which um, you know he's he's Canadian, so obviously I I like him, but I would pick against him. He, he's no longer with the uh, organization, so you can maybe toss that one out. Ian Heinish, who um, you know decent fighter, hasn't really proven that that he's he's at the top though. He's I think he's lost like three or four. But then uh, Shabazian, like you said, in now Holland, so he's they're feeding him. All those guys were are younger, youngish uh, prospects, and they're feeding prospects, and he is. Uh, if you want to call him a gatekeeper, he's uh, doing a very good job at uh, keeping the gates to the to the top secure. Um, this is a wacky division, basically, um, and there's not, you know, huge amount of of top prospects in it. I, I would say, or I, I really looking over rank and stuff, I have a hard time figuring out where he goes from here, uh, other than a title shot. Because I don't really see anyone else. There's guys with bigger names, obviously, but I don't think there's people with with better resumes. Um, they said in the broadcast last night, it's been what five years. He's been in the UFC's top 10 rankings for, for middleweight, which is, which is insane. So I, do you have ideas on, um, obviously they'll, they'll probably give him a bigger name, but like I said, um, he's worthy of a title shot in my eyes at, at this point. Um, but I guess he'll probably have to get at least one more, um, high name or high profile win before they do that. You'd think. Yeah, I, I think with with Robert Whitaker, Kelvin Gaslam right there, I think it's probably hard for Brunson to jump either. Well, I mean, like, I guess if, if Gaslam went in and won, it would be easy for him to jump Gaslam. But if, if Robert Whitaker goes in and takes care of it, it's like I kind of expect him to. I don't think that you can pass up a Whitaker rematch uh, with Idesanya. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and same thing sort of for Marvin Vittori if he were to beat Darren Till. Or actually, Darren Till wins that one, too. Man, that that might be bad news for him too because Darren Till is just like kind of really marketable. I mean, best yep. case scenario for him would be for for Marvin Vittori to win because he's you know hasn't proven to be a super fan favorite, and Calvin Gaslam who doesn't have a great recent resume to win, and then maybe you could wiggle him in there. Um, but I think yeah, you're right. He's gonna have to fight one more time, and with all four of those aforementioned people booked, I actually think the best possible matchmaking you could do for Derek Brunson is Paulo Costa. Why not Paulo sure. Costa, right? Because Paulo Costa, big name, yep. recently got pulled from a fight, is going to have to do some more recovering. I, I know he doesn't have COVID, but he's got, like, post-COVID symptoms, which, I mean, I guess if he's on the Kamzat Chemaev recovery path, you know, maybe we'll never see him. But, like, if he is just taking a couple more weeks or a, an extra month to recover, that probably would line up with the timeline of, whatever Brunson's going to have to do to recover from this fight. You know, like he was in a five round fight and he took some punches. You got to imagine the medical suspension is at least going to be a month. Uh, and then, you know, from there, you know, he's going to go back into a training camp. That timeline might line up with Paulo Costa in, in with, you know, Whitaker probably stamping his claim to a title shot. And, you know, like those other two that I mentioned booked, like Costa might not have many better options than fighting Derek Brunson. And heck, I, I think it would be, at this point in time, kind of a fun fight. Yeah, for sure. Uh, throw that at a top of a, of a fight night, and you know, uh, no one would bat an eye at that. Um, and I think it's a very winnable fight, also for Brunson, which is which is good. Um, I, I think you know he, he deserves to get 
you know, have a fairly clear path to, um, to a title shot um, since he's, you know, it, he's more than earned it. Like five years in the, in the top five of the, Top ten, sorry, of the of the rankings is you know nothing to sneeze at. Uh, you're speaking of fan favorites. Uh, the man he beat definitely is a fan favorite. Um, checking stats on my site, he's the one pulling in all the traffic right now. That would be Kevin Hall. And now the um, seems everyone's armchair quarterbacking uh, is um, that Holland, um, even Dana White, everything comes out of his mouth is true. So we should believe what he says. He thinks Holland uh, um, basically. Uh, choked uh under the pressure and that's why he was talking so much and whatnot last night um the announcers were big on him clowning uh saying that he sh- you know he shouldn't talk so much he should be more serious but i'm thinking maybe i guess i'm actually maybe agreeing with dana white which is scary but maybe it's more of um he was acting that way because he realized early on that he was he was being outclassed by Derek brunson and you know he, he didn't want to uh totally embarrass himself so he he figured he would you know look like he was not really carrying or, or trying too hard in the fight, but um, yeah, he definitely didn't didn't stop his his antics, even though he was clearly losing pretty much every round. So, so I, I have a couple of things to say about this. I'm not sure the reason. There, I, I've got no idea what's going on in Kevin Holland's head because he clowns <laughs> in every single fight. But I will also right. say it shocked me that people were surprised that he was jawing even in a loss and he didn't shut up. Because look at his last two losses, he did literally the same thing. He got taken down by Brendan Allen controlled and eventually rear naked choked. And he was basically talking to him through the rear naked choke before he tapped. Um, and, and then the same thing with Tiago Santos. If you go all the way back to his loss to Tiago Santos before Santos goes up the lay heavyweight, Santos took him down and was like beating the hell out of him in side control. And he was talking to him like, Oh, what? that's the toughest punch you got. And he's like, yeah, and I'm winning the fight with it. Like, so it's not like this is the first time Kevin Holland got taken down repeatedly and talked trash from his back while he was getting punched in the mouth. So, like, regardless of whether or not you think it was him trying to, like, you know, save off embarrassment or look like he's not trying too hard, it's Kevin Holland. That's, like, what he does. That's him. And that's why people have been tuning in to see him fight. And, yeah, he's won the last five, but, like, or, you know, it had won the last five. That doesn't mean that that's, like, anything this isn't new to him right like so right. I, I was shocked to see people so surprised that he was doing it because it's just what he markets right like that's what he is maybe it's who he is uh but regardless yeah like you're gonna keep seeing that over and over again um regardless of whether he's winning or losing yeah i, I don't think you know he got dominated but i don't think it was totally surprising or really damaged him too much he needs to work on his wrestling defense that's that was that's been obvious for a while um i don't think this makes him any less of a of an exciting prospect um he definitely uh wrestlers are his uh are his kryptonite so if you're going to put him in there with wrestlers there's a good chance this is this is going to happen but there's you know there's also a slight chance that, that he's going to knock the guy out from the bottom or, or do something crazy i unless they're as physically strong and as um, skill-wise strong as Derek Brunson is at, at wrestling. So, um, you know, I don't think Kevin Holland's stock has really changed too much. I don't, I didn't think he was, I picked him, but I don't think, didn't think he was quite ready for the, the, the elite of the division as it was. Um, he's talking about cutting to welterweight, which is crazy because he's uh, about as skinny as you can get um, at, at middleweight already. I don't know where he's going to cut that weight from. Um, I say he just sticks at middleweight and hopefully he doesn't get matched up with wrestlers or he, he finds a way to, 
to uh, keep them off him. Yeah, and I will say this too. So he has made welterweight in the past. He used right. to fight at welterweight back in LFA. So yep. like that, that's worth noting. But I will also say this too. Like it, it's such a weird decision for him to say something like that after getting out wrestled because you think about who is at welterweight. Yeah. And it, dude, it's like just killer wrestlers everywhere, right? Like yep. you know, the the top of the division is Colby Covington, Kamara Usman, Gilbert Burns. Like you're just talking about guys who could grapple the hell out of you. And even, like, a little bit lower in the division, you got Neil Magny and Li Jingliang and, like, people like that. I mean, Michael Chiesa is right there in the middle. Like, that that welterweight picture is just literally people who are nightmares for Kevin Holland. So, uh, yeah, I hear what he's saying, that, like, maybe he would be stronger down to division. But, like, I also think maybe we just need to have to learn how to stop a takedown fundamentally rather than with strength. Uh, because yeah. while strength helps... Uh, it is not the end all be all. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I suggest don't, if you don't want to wrestle, don't go to watch weight. Uh, if you can fight in a middleweight, definitely. Like I said uh, earlier on, it's not the strongest of divisions when you look at the guys at the top um, or even uh, beef up and go to light heavyweight. That's even, even weaker. And uh, probably better up there. <laughs> exactly. There's, there's not a whole bunch of killer wrestlers all over that, uh, that anyhow so um who knows what the future holds for kevin hall and i'm sure it'll be uh, entertaining for us regardless so that that was uh a pick i whiffed on and that was one of dan's um underdogs that came through he got a plus 145 uh he got brunson in at brunson uh, of note before we move on to the next uh, the rest of the card uh brunson opened around minus 120 and he closed at you know plus 150 to plus 190 so um Probably has to do with with Holland being a a fan favorite and and having some flashy highlights. Um, so that's something to, to keep in mind when you're when you're picking fights. Don't be a mark. Don't um, fall victim to you know the hype game uh, that UFC puts out there. Um, I'm not saying I did. I I, I did pick Holland, but um, but uh, that's you know uh, when you see a line move this much, uh, there's a lot of uh, casual money coming into you. You'd have to think. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say, too, you know, not to excuse your terrible pick, but uh, <laughs> I I will say when it was on the feet, Kevin Holland was the better fighter. Oh, yeah. Like, he, Kevin he got him rock. Yeah, Kevin times. Holland hit him really hard early on, so much so that they gave him one of the rounds, which I, I'm not sure I still did, but, like, it was enough to sway the judges to give uh, Kevin Holland a round. So, like, he, he clearly was hitting him hard in the impression in the arena was that, you know, obviously he was the more talented striker as well. Right. Okay, before we move on to the rest of the card and, and maybe uh, highlight a few of the, the big fights that have been announced over the past uh, few days, let me tell you about a couple of other of our sponsors. Uh, Odds Crowd. Hopefully you entered the Odds Crowd contest uh, for March Madness for your chance to win $8,000. Don't forget to enter all your March Madness picks over at oddscrowd.com as the contest heats up. OzCrowd isn't just fantasy betting contests. It's also a social app built just for sports bettors. Free to download. You can live group chat with other bettors, track your bets, set up private betting contests with your buddies, and much more. So download the app for free or go to uh, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds. We're also brought to you by PixWise, helmed by a team of trend-watching, data-devouring, sports fanatic wise guys, giving you the who, how, and why behind every prediction. On every game, every day, in every sport, all for free. 
Pixwise presents the Capper Contest to follow with the likes of John Rothstein, Rashad Phillips, Jeff Nadu, and six other experts all competing for a $10,000 winner-takes-all prize. Follow the action for their free picks and analysis every day of the big dance by visiting pixwise.com march-madness. So pixwise.com slash march-madness. All right, as I've already mentioned a few times, that the main amount pretty much was the only fight of real significance ranking-wise or or potential title shot-wise. Um, we ended up with a co-main event of Max Griffin, another fight I got wrong. Um, he knocked out uh, Scare very viciously, and, and it was a bit of a scary scene because a song, Kinan or Kinan song, um, didn't get up right away. And I have to complain that this was an illegal punch to the back of the head, and I should have <laughs> I should have won this pick. Um, doesn't matter that he was already knocked out, and then he fell against the cage, and then he went face down on the mat, and then he got punched in the head. Um, I'm saying that was an illegal blow on the back of the head, so I want my money back. So you're you're, you're going with the Matt Hamill route, like uh, yes, TQ, <laughs> TQ victory, please. Yeah, I, I you know if that's true, I'm pretty sure Herb Dean would say it was unintentional because uh, right. that yeah. seems to bail just about any fighter out. Exactly. If you're allowed to catch somebody's to. eyes out or knee him in the balls or something like that, as long as you you say you didn't mean to afterwards, or Herb Dean thinks you didn't mean to. Right. Right. <laughs> um, but this was yeah, a fun Griffin fight. I, I will say, yeah, Griffin looked really great. He he. Um, as like a little insider information here too, for those who don't know, he's always trained at MMA Gold, which is the the Jim West's uh, gym that has given us Aspen Ladd and the the likes of a couple other guys in the, the UFC. I think Anthony Hernandez, Fluffy Hernandez, is out of that gym as well. Um, but recently he started training not only there but at Alpha Male too. So he's doing both right. of the Sacramento gyms, and I think since that's happened, he's looked way better. Uh, and and I, uh, that's not to say that he wasn't getting good training at MMA Gold, but, like, it does seem like the fact that he's adding a second gym and a second set of eyes on him and a second skill set of coaches seems to be letting him do what he wants. And I know some of it, too, is he's enlisted in a uh, mental conditioning coach or, a you know, a mental training coach that's just get, having him have more fun in there. That's, like, their, their big goal. He looked like he was having fun in there. I mean, like, beating Song Kanan and Ramiz Brahimai back-to-back, both with stoppages, I mean, like, he, he looks good in there. Yeah, I knew, actually, all the all that stuff Dan said, I already knew because I listened to the Top Turtle MMA podcast. <laughs> I haven't missed an episode, and they had a bonus episode where it was just an interview with uh, the ear collector, um, Max Griffin. <laughs> it was mostly Tim talking about exploding people's ears, but, but uh, <laughs> those tidbits did, did come through, too. Um, probably the biggest win of his career last night, you, you would have to say. Um, the, the way he did it, and on the stage it was on ESPN, and it was in the in the co-made event. So um, he's still only five and six in the UFC, but um, this one's jumping him up my performance rankings. Looks like he's going to be right in the lower half of the top twenties now, around twenty-one, twenty-two range. So he's he's getting up there. Um, fun fighter, like I said, it was a. Uh, it was a um, interesting, or not interesting, exciting, exciting victory. So hopefully that'll get more eyeballs on on him um, heading forward. Uh, next fight I got wrong. Also, uh, things started out so well, and then I went down went down to twos with the top three. Um, Dan's going to really gloat on this one. I, I am. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so based, okay, he, he got Max Griffin. Uh, he was actually favored, so minus one seventy five. So I whiffed on a underdog. Big deal. That's that's what happens. So, okay. 
we'll let Dan just tell you all about this one. The uh, women's strawweight Montserrat Ruiz um, destroyed Cheyenne Bays or Bays, excuse me. Uh, both the Bays husband and wife duo had unsuccessful debuts in the UFC, and she just it was scarf hold city, baby. The the whole uh, the whole match, and she looked far too powerful and. Uh, Basically, one, one trick pony, but the the one trick works. So so why change it? Yeah, and and I think I said too in the breakdown. By the way, plus two seventy five. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah. If you, and if you had gotten her a little earlier, plus three hundred. So, uh, you know, a, a damn good good underdog here. But like, <laughs> if you had looked, I said this on the show. Like, she had fought a higher level of competition than Cheyenne Bays. Cheyenne right. Bays has trouble with people who move forward because she doesn't seem to be able to just navigate the person moving forward on her. She just clinches. And then when she clinches, she's clinching with somebody who's a better grappler. And I know that, you know, the breakdown of why everybody loved her was, or, you know, Conejo was coming in here and she didn't have, you know, it's uh, she didn't have the athletic gifts that Cheyenne Bays does. But, like, at a certain point in time, too, we can't just, like, laud the fact that you have physical gifts because sometimes that's a, that's a definitely a, an attribute that we want to aspire to, but sometimes it's also a hindrance, right? Like, you just beat people by being stronger than them. At a certain point in time, you run into somebody who you can't just beat because you're stronger than them. Uh, right. And I thought Montserrat Ruiz was that person, right? Like, she is very skilled. I would say I don't think that head and arm throw is going to work on everybody. No. But like, people who just rely on strength and just rely on, like, powering out of things. She's got a great grip. She trains with 10th Planet. I actually thought she was pretty close to getting that uh, that key lock submission with her legs there, too, which would have been crazy to do that in back-to-back fights because that's actually how she won her last Invicta fight. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was all over Montserrat Ruiz here. I thought for sure she was going to beat Cheyenne Bays. I said I thought it was, you know, like pick em level stuff. So to see the number, you know, hovering around 300 is very nice. Yep, there you go. He's going to be talking about this for weeks and weeks and weeks now, guys. Um, his, his big, uh, his big underdog came through. So, um, Adrian Yanez looked very good against Gustavo Lopez. Um, but we both had that one right. Uh, ended up knocking him out very late in the in the fight. But yeah, he he looked like a true um, future a future contender at bantamweight. Uh, Tai Tuivasa destroyed Harry Hunsucker uh, in less than a minute. Uh, not that surprising. name will never not make me giggle. His name no. is Harry Hunsucker, exactly. and I, I feel so sorry for laughing at your name. But that is. It's a brutal name to have. Yeah. I can't imagine that was easy growing up. <laughs> no, no, it's a perfect way, a perfect name actually for a, a journeyman fighter. So it's um, he should have a long career ahead of him as a journeyman fighter. Um, <laughs> I guess we we could talk about the prelim main event, women's bantamweight, this uh, shallower division. So this uh, win here means a bit more. Macy Chason started off very slow. I, I think I might. Seems like that was the game plan to to not mm-hmm. to not be as aggressive as normal. But when she did turn on the the gas, she uh, had Mary Renault very close to to losing uh, losing the fight um, with within the the 15 minute distance. She had her very close to to getting knocked out uh, num- a number of times, at least what two times at least maybe. Yeah, and I maybe? think I think Renault's nose has to be broken. I, I haven't oh, yeah. official reports yet, but it has to be broken because it was gnarly and it was bleeding. And I'll say this too, like Chason, I think I said it last week on the show, is that my worry about her was that she, the way she lost to Lena Landsberg and kind of got dominated in the wrestling, it, it was a potential problem against somebody like Renault who can wrestle a little bit, you know, and, and has a, a decent submission game on top. 
the fact that she showed that she can defend that and she can keep the distance and she can fight from distance and she doesn't have to rush in and then get caught with a takedown, like, I think it showed a lot of maturity in her game, especially for somebody who, you know, like, she hasn't been the most active fighter because she had some injury issues. It had been a year since we had seen her. Like, she didn't fight during the pandemic. So, um, this was her first time doing so. So, you know, like, it's exciting to see that she progressed pretty significantly in that time and you got to imagine you know she could be like you said in a shallow division only a couple of fights from you know like one of those serious contender fights against somebody like you know the holly holmes of the division you know she might have to win one or two more to get into that level but she certainly put herself in a position to do so so it it was probably the only other fight on here that I think has like lots of significance in their division, you know, right. immediate immediate significance in their division. Also, I will say these two ladies got absolutely screwed out of not getting a, a fight of the night bonus. Oh, this, right. was, yeah. this was fight of the night bonus, and and like the fact that there were four, I mean there were there were six finishes right on the the card, but there were uh, four, you know ridiculous knockouts and, and even Ty Tuivasa didn't get a, a bonus yep. on theirs, which is, is kind of criminal. And, you know, Montel Jackson looked good and he didn't get one, but like, I, it just always bumps me out when there's such a good fight and such like a clear pick for fight of the night. And they just decide to give it a two more knockouts rather than, you know, like, you know, honoring the two who went out there and bloodied each other up in like a really fun fight. Well, UFC is a struggling uh, company, Dan. Come on. They, they don't have much money. It's a pandemic, damn it. And uh, they, they pay the fighters enough. Like, what more do they want? Um, as an aside, it's, I've complained about this before, I think, on this podcast, but the fighters begging for bonuses is just really – it's not a good look. Um, but I guess it works for them. Uh, Grant Dawson got a bonus, right? Or did he not get a bonus? He, he did, in fact, get a bonus. Yeah, he got a bonus. went to Max Griffin, Adrian Yanez, Grant Dawson, right. and then Bruno Silva. Right. Uh, I get why they do it, though. Like, Grant Dawson, I think, uh, by my estimations, he made, what, 22 to show, 22 win bonus. So, you know. Over uh, doubled his salary. Yeah, the bonus. more than doubled, yeah. So I, I get why they do it, but it's really it, – it doesn't look good for the fighter or, or the organization. You don't see – People in other professional sports, the UFC tries to act like they're as big as, uh, you know, the big four team sports in North America, but you don't see uh, other athletes begging their their owners uh, or their employers for, for money after after every top performance. So it's, you know, it's not a good look for, for either organization uh, as an aside. but I think it looks worse for the organization. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, when you think about somebody like, you know, Grant Dawson, you know, Grant Dawson's. 26 years old or something like that like making 100k in a night is like life-changing for that dude which yeah. like like we said it, it probably shouldn't be but like if you're if you go in and get a knockout like that and you like want life-changing money like man while, while begging for it looks bad like when it is life-changing money for you i mean like yeah. I, I get it i get it on dawson's side but you're right it does look bad for the organization like it's the only only sport in the world where like you end every single fight with somebody talking about how they should get more money. And that's just, ugh, it's kind yeah. of a bad luck. <laughs> Plus it doesn't help when you hear like pretty much every, every uh, telecast, the announcers are mentioned how so-and-so has a, has a full-time job and they, they can't have, uh, or, or they, they got a bonus last fights and then they could, they could afford to, to quit their full-time job and actually, uh, 
work on being a professional athlete <laughs> full yeah, time. And, and Marianne Renault is a gym teacher. Yeah, like that's we were true. just talking about how great that fight was. She's yeah. a, a full time gym teacher in a high school. Like, yeah. man, that is, yeah, it's crazy. And, you know, to, to sort of further your point here about how they talk about that all the time, same thing with like, the contender series contender series is right. brutal man like the, the preview packages before that thing is just like i i mean like it it's like glorifying poverty and in tragedy like it's just like okay who, who died in this guy's family and why doesn't he have any money all right now let's watch him fight for a, a bowl of popcorn like yeah <laughs> Ten thousand bucks that they get in contender series. Uh, if they win, if, if they, they win, win, yeah, five and five. That's right. So it's basically, uh, which is probably the most they've ever made, which is you know sad to say, but that's that's the case. But yeah, so I, I guess you know I don't like seeing fighters begging for money, but but I see I understand why they do it. Um, you know, yeah, when you're desperate for money, you do crazy things like like Dan, for instance. Uh, takes all my abuse every week because this is life-changing money we're making on this podcast here so it's you know it he uh he sucks it up for his family that's that's what you do so um more downloads than one fc exactly we, we probably do that wouldn't be a <laughs> but it wouldn't be surprising um grant dawson looked very good against leonardo santos we had that one right um i will say on that one though I, i'm a little bit worried about how uh, he kind of he kind of had a Cheyenne Bay's feel to him, where he looked like he was trying to muscle things and was used to yeah. being able to muscle things, and it didn't quite work. And that's going to be alarming going forward if he doesn't make changes. Um, I, I think he's he's still young and he's still got plenty of chance to make changes, and he's working with James Krause, so that's going to lead to changes. But like a little bit of an alarm went off there, despite the fact that he did look good and did get the performance bonus. Yeah, I shouldn't have said he, he looked really good. Cause he, at least in the early going, he, he didn't look that great. Um, and Santos was uh, was able to, to thwart whatever he was he was trying to do. So, but yeah, like you said, young and very well coached, and he's got 50 Ks in his pocket. So maybe he can. Uh, he's he's probably another guy who who can't train full time. Who knows? Um, so maybe this this will help him there. Um, our other underdog that we hit, or I say our, I'm taking credit for for all your underdogs. This is the only under, only underdog I hit. So I thought it was gonna be a good night. It was it was not so bad night, but mediocre. Uh, Trevin Giles, uh, plus 125. He looked very good against Roman Delizzi. Delizzi may wait. Um, no problem. That was something we were worried about. He, he didn't, you know, look worse for wear um, from the weight cut. He looked worse for wear at the end of the fight. He was uh, His face was a disaster. Um, but, yeah, Giles was just too fast and athletic for him. Um, yeah, and, and I kind of worried about that, too, uh, about him, like, going down a weight class, a lot of yeah. those guys that, you know, those, those guys who leave middleweight to go to light heavyweight and look infinitely better, it's because if you can make middleweight and you're fighting at light heavyweight, you're probably more athletic than the average light heavyweight. Um, right. And I think that's true of Delize, but then when he came back down, you know, he sort of met his his athletic equal or maybe even somebody a little athletically superior to him. And then on top of all of that, too, Giles has got, like, you know, he's fought some absolute killers and has the experience and advantage. Uh, and, and props to Giles for going in there and doing what he did because, uh, you know, that's now three straight for him, I believe. And, and yeah. for a guy who we had kind of written off as being sloppy and falling into submissions, his submission defense looked great. Yeah, he, he looked – that was that was another fun fight. That could have been another uh, fight of the night contender mm-hmm. on a – on a normal night, but last night was a bit of a, a crazy fight night. I'm just checking Giles. I already had Giles ranked pretty high because he was, what, 4-2 heading into this. He was, what, 19th in my uh, 
performance rankings. So this one will bump him up a little. Looks like a little bit higher. Um, so yeah, he's he's getting on the fringes of uh, of top fifteen. Um, so we'll have to wait and see if he's able to fulfill that. Um, Montel Jackson, he was a massive favorite. Uh, Jesse Strader missed weight, which is a um, a red flag for losing a fight and. He did not look uh, UFC caliber, and he, he got lit up and, and beat pretty quickly. Um, and then, like Dan said earlier on, uh, his lock, J.P. Bays, <laughs> uh, got knocked out in the second round against uh, one of the Bruno Silvas. I think this one was Bruno Gustavo de Silva, but like Dan said, it was a different-looking Bruno Silva in there than we've seen before, a guy fighting for his, his UFC uh, career, basically. Um, so w- I can't confirm that it's the same Bruno Silva as usual. That could have been the light heavyweight Bruno Silva um, <laughs> masquerading, but regardless, he, he started our night off on, on a bad note, but it picked up from there. So Yeah, I, I was, like I said before, a sense of impending doom after missing my lock and going 0-1 when, on the prelims, which is, I usually am, that's where I'm best, and then uh, I just didn't have to be bummed out ever again. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, that puts a bow on um, on that event. Uh, hopefully, you listen to at least Dan's or, or part of mine, uh, um, my advice last week, and, and it was a profitable, profitable uh, evening for you also. Um, well, I figure we'll just break uh, – not break down, but we'll speak about a couple um, – Fight announcements, fight cards uh, coming up, and then we'll we'll call her a day. Uh, before that, let me tell you about our last couple sponsors. Uh, Betterland.Vegas would be one of them. Um, Betterland.Vegas is like YouTube, but for what hashtag the gens only care about, which is sports betting. Um, us people over at SGP, we're giving out free daily video picks on our Better Than Vegas profile page, so make sure you check it out there. Uh, mine runs Saturday morning slash afternoon usually. Um, it's always fun to see how... Um, what a hobo I look like. Every week it's getting worse. The hair is getting worse. The beard's getting worse. It's fun. So make sure you check it out over there. And if you're there, you can also go to Top Turtles, uh, Dan's uh, Better Than Vegas site too. Cause I think he gives out. Did you have winners last week on that one, Dan? I didn't. No, I, I shared Bays again. Uh, I, I doubled down on Bays as, uh, and that's the first one I've missed on uh, on on Better Than Vegas. I, I've been cleaning up over there. I was I think I was three and zero since they had me start doing videos, and and now. You know, just so disappointing that that Bayes yep. cooked me twice. So I had a um, feeling. I had a feeling he might have given base. That's why I I called <laughs> him out there because I want to. You know, any little tiny victory I can have, uh, I will take. So, so uh, also Better Than Vegas is always running a ton of free contests as well. Uh, they've got a ton of free picks and handicappers to check out. So make sure you subscribe to the Sports Gaming podcast profile page, and then you'll get a update every time we post a video. So like we post at least one daily. It looks like. Now with uh, March Madness, it's uh, I'm getting multiple updates a day uh, for for our picks. So make sure you go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com/btv. Sportsgamblingpodcast.com/btv. We're also brought to you by Better Edge. Better Edge allows you to buy and sell betting positions like a stock market. Since you're buying positions from other sports bettors, there's no house. It's legal in more than 40 states. You can post the plays you like and have someone at the Better Edge marketplace take the other side of of your bet. They have a ton of other fun against the spread picking contests as well. Sign up today at Better Edge. That's B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com and use the promo code SGP for a free $10 play. So it's B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com, promo code SGP. All right. Thank you to all our sponsors for keeping us in your disgusting ear holes. Um, all right. Well, we, we lost a fight, sadly. We lost a title fight, which is usually a huge deal, but 
lucky we have a, another big title fight on uh, this coming Saturday's uh, UFC 260 fight card. We lost uh, the Bantamweight co-main event, which would – no, sorry, Featherweight, excuse me. Uh, Alexander Volk, Imagine Alexander Volkanovski going to Bantamweight. That would be insane. Uh, he's so big. Uh, Volkanovski has COVID-19. Uh, so he had to pull out of his fight against Brian Ortega. Is he still is Volkanovski in the states at this point? Because yeah, like, sadly oh, he is. Sadly he is in Vegas. So this that's is, why he caught it. Yeah, this <laughs> is terrible news for him because, like, uh, you know, already it, for those of you who didn't see the whole Dan Hooker thing with Dan Hooker traveling back and forth and having to be in isolation for uh, I think it's I think it's six weeks to get back in yeah. in either of the Anzac countries there. And, uh, yeah, for, for him to have to wait six weeks to go back. And, and then the question for Volkanovski is, is he going to recover, get booked, be able to do enough of a fight camp that he just stay in Vegas? If so, who's in Vegas with him? Like, you got to imagine his coaches are, but, like, can they stay? Like, what's going on? Uh, so, like, there there's so many questions because, like, going back would just put him in isolation for six weeks. And you got to imagine that means no training, and then that means – you know, he's going to have to go back to a training camp then and then, you know, reschedule the fight. We're not talking to him fighting to the end of summer, if that's the case. Um, and I think with the uncertainty of how people are recovering, it's just such a weird spot for him to be in Vegas right now. Um, yeah. But you're right. It, it did make sense that they, the, he's in Vegas. That's why he yeah. has it probably. He traveled them on an airplane and across the globe and uh, away from a country that has seemingly dealt with it fairly well. Yeah, yeah. There's, I was thinking, there's no way he's going to catch it in Australia or New Zealand or any of those. Um, so yeah, it's yeah, it's a real bad situation for him because you you'd have to think his wife. He's got two little girls, and his wife. You probably would think they probably wouldn't travel over here with them. Maybe they did. Um, but yeah, this is a, a bad bad scene for him. Hopefully, he recovers soon. And like you said, he'll probably. You'd think he probably would stay in in Vegas. Um, and they try to get him onto a, a card soon soon enough so um we'll break down this whole fight card in a few days when our, our thursday podcast drops but we still got steepy miocic richard francis Ngano at the top so that's enough to sell a fight card with um with regardless whether uh whether the undercard's strong or not but it you know the undercard's still skinning skipping through it it's still looking pretty solid regardless so um we're just getting spoiled we're used to two and three uh title fight um pay-per-views this point um so 261 they've uh, announced two this is one where i asked dan how many people are going to die at it because they dana white wants to have a full uh vice stars veterans memorial arena in jacksonville he, he wants to pack that place with people probably with no masks or, or vaccines also because that's that's the dana white way um so that one we've got three title fights at this point um hopefully they stay away from everyone or, or they've already had covid um a lot of these people actually are from Vegas or from Florida as it is. So at least the main event people are. Uh, we got Kamaro Usman in rematch against the totally deserving Jorge Masvidal um, <laughs> in the welterweight division. But really, like, can you really – is there really a better fight to, to make at this point? Like, I, I've given up on worrying about whether things are fair or, or even and stuff in the UFC. But, uh, you know, okay, fine. If you fight Masvidal then, sure. Uh after with the full training cap, he can get beat the same way as he got beat last time. Yeah, it's a weird move for me. I get it. It's marketable. It's easier. But for me, I would much rather see Usman do one of those GSP-esque runs where he just makes sure that you know that he can beat anybody in the top 10 and beats them all, right? Like there, there's still a handful he hasn't fought yet. 
you know, I'd love to see him with Wonder Boy. I've said that time and time again. Kiesa's probably not all that far off. You know, there, there's a smattering of guys there that he could beat up and we could be like, okay, well, now we've got them all. We can go back to Colby. We can go back to Masvidal. We can go back to Burns. Um, but before we, we run it back with all three of them, why not, you know, sort of shake out some of the other contenders and stylistic matchups? I mean, I guess this is the bigger payday, and it's probably the surest thing on Usman's mind, right? Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, you can't can't blame him for that. Uh, it's prize fighting after all, and um, we'll speak about this later, but um... – the title is not always the prize, as Dustin Poirier is is, uh, is showing. It's pointing out exactly. It's not always the title that's the prize. It's uh, you, it's the money. Um, co-main event uh, at this point. It looks it's a women's flyweight uh, battle. Valentina Shevchenko, who's looked unstoppable, but this may be her toughest test. She's fighting Jessica Andrade. Um, this should be a fine one. Like I said, is probably the toughest test that she's faced, other than when she's gone up and fought Amanda Nunes. Yeah, I think it's probably the most difficult stylistic matchup for her um, because it's, you know, it's a big heavy hitter. Like you, you pretty much have, when you look at all of the other people she's fought, you were like, oh, that person's not going to outstrike her technically. And, you know, like they don't have the power to knock her out. So what's the, what's the game plan here, right? Like what was the game plan for Jennifer Maya? Uh, take her down. Okay. Well, she's got worse wrestling than, than Valentina Shevchenko. So now what do we say? Um, and, and with this one, you know, you, Shevchenko is still a better technical striker than Andrade, but right. you know you you can't overlook the raw power of Jessica Andrade and the fact that she you know drops people on her head or sleeps them with her fists. So like you know there's at least that there to, yep. to sell this fight on intrigue. So yeah, it's definitely the most interesting challenger she's had for her title. Right, there's there's head dropping potential. That's always uh, always. Always fun heading into a fight. Someone may get dropped on their head and get knocked out, um, which happened to the person in the next title fight on this card, Rose Namajunas. She is the aforementioned victim of, of the head slam. Um, she will be going um, back, uh, um, taking another stab at getting her title back. It's her first uh, first chance at getting it back against the new champ uh, that beat Jessica Andrade. It will be Zhang Weili or Weili Zhang, depending on how you want to say it. That's This is another fun fight that, you know, maybe difficult for me to. We're not breaking down picks or anything at this point, but that's that's at least at first glance, that's a tough one, tough one to call for me. Yeah, stylistically, I thought about that matchup, and I just don't know how to make heads or tails out of it because it, it is really weird stylistically in that Zhang just like is is a really powerful person, but also has good volume. So it's like a different problem for Nama Yunus than Andrade was because Andrade was just the power with less volume or, or less technique. Uh, and Zhang sort of has both of those. Um, but then again, Rose Nama Yunus has dealt with both of those because she did beat Jessica Andrade in a rematch and she can deal with the technical striker as she proven, you know, beating Yanni on Jacek twice. So yeah, it's a weird one for me. It's a hard one to call. Um, yeah, it's good that I got time to think about it for sure. Right. Yeah, this this uh we've got it's almost exactly a month from now, which is good. The pandemic will totally be over by then, so this this will be safe, uh, for sure. Especially in Florida. Uh so it's April twenty fourth, it's going down in Jacksonville, Florida. Um and like Dana White wants to have fifteen thousand people there, so hopefully um everybody's vaccinated by then. Um two sixty two, uh, UFC two sixty two, the following month, May fifteenth. He wants of Dana White wants a full crowd at the uh, Toyota Center in Texas, Yeehaw. Texas, so that's uh, that's gonna be interesting too. Um, he's finally realized he's given up the ghost and admitted that Habib uh, has retired and he's no longer the 
um, light heavyweight champion. Not light heavyweight. That would be interesting. <laughs> uh, he actually would probably would do all right at light heavyweight. But regardless, lightweight champion will make it. Um, he's finally given up on on saying that he's um, he is still a champion. He has uh, retired from the sport at least for this time. These things are not permanent always. So um, I'm rambling, but. What I'm saying is they're going to have a light UFC light heavyweight championship fight on this card for the vacant belt. Uh, Chucky Knuckles, Do Bronx, Charles Oliveira against Michael Chandler. Um, first of all, do you think the right two people have been picked to fight for this? So I, I see I keep hearing the argument that like, ah, oh, how did they leave Poirier out? And I think you alluded to it just a second ago. Poirier didn't want right. it. Like, po- Poirier didn't nope. want it. Po- Poirier was like. I'll, I want the money fight against McGregor again to headline a pay-per-view. And he was like, yep. you know, and, and probably part of those negotiations was Dana saying, okay, you can have that fight, but it's not going to be for the title. Yeah. You know, because in, in Dana's mind, and I've said this before, you can headline a pay-per-view with Conor McGregor without a title, and it sells just as well as it does against Conor McGregor with the title. It's why they didn't put it on the line the first time Poye fought McGregor. So I think – Poirier was probably offered a choice, and, and this may never come out in interviews, and it may not even be correct, but my inkling is is he was told you can either have McGregor or a title fight, and headlining a pay-per-view when you get a slice of the, the pie, so to speak, against McGregor is more tempting. So knowing that I think those those two things are true, you know, if assuming that that's correct, that he had that choice and he made that choice, uh, I think the right picks were made. You know, like, I hear people complaining about Gaethje. I mean, Gaethje looked like a fish out of water trying to grapple with Habib and worse than maybe anybody else. Like, even Connor looked better grappling against Habib than Justin Gaethje did. So uh, why would you stick him in a title fight with Charles Oliveira? Uh, seems like a bad idea. Uh, might as well have him win one more somewhere else, have him fight somebody else who's meaningful. Um, and yeah, Michael Chandler, I said before, he's kind of an exciting new prospect when we were saying who could possibly help coax Habib out of retirement. I said Michael Chandler because he's different. He's a champ from another organization. He's undefeated in the UFC. Like, um, so yeah, I think Michael Chandler, you know, the right sort of pick here instead of Justin Gaethje. I'm excited for it. Uh, I'll definitely be watching this one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with all that. Uh, Poye basically made it clear right off, right after beating McGregor the first time that he wasn't interested in in the belt, and b- because he he knew um, McGregor would not be uh, fighting him for the belt next, so he made it very clear that he wanted part three of Poye uh, McGregor, which looks like it's going to happen hopefully sometime this summer. Um, yeah, I, I think everything is basically uh, shaken out in lightweight the best and the fairest way way that it could. Um, Poirier McGregor is, will not be for a belt. Uh, they won't be holding up the division, which is fine. You know, I'm fine with 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 these these um, attraction fights as long as it's not, you know, uh, they don't try to make it uh, for a belt or holds up the division or anything like that. Now they you're also like, you're also assuming they don't make up a belt to give out for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fine. They, they want to make a fake belt and have have a. Um, have the rock give that out, then then so be it. That's fine. Make make a fake belt. That's fine. Um, yeah. So this this should be uh, interesting. Things are things are looking uh, looking up in the next few months. Um, actually, we haven't had a had a bomb pay per view for a while. Actually, so we've got quite a few good ones coming down the uh, down the tubes, and we'll obviously 
um, be breaking all those down for you when we get to it. Um, anything else you think we should uh, tell the folks this show or, or put a bow in it until, until Thursday? You know what? The, the, I will just mention before we go, there are, were two other really great Bantamweight fights that were made, too, the, the, and phenomenal matchmaking. Oh, right, yes. Yeah, yeah the, the fight between TJ Dillashaw and Corey Sanhagen is just right. such an exciting one for me. And once again, you've got to laud the, the UFC matchmaking this week for just doing, like, the right move. Right? Like, yep. like, like, TJ Dillashaw doesn't deserve a title fight right away. That's clear. Uh, and in addition to that, they put him against the guy who's probably nipping at the heels of a title shot in himself. So uh, good job on that. And then the Rob Font versus Cody Garbrandt fight should be yep. uh, exciting, reckless, uh, and also sort of help us in the Bantamweight picture. So, yeah, great matchmaking all around this week um, from the brass. Yeah, we don't really have what we like to unload on the UFC when we can, but, yeah, they've – a lot of these matchups and choices they've been making recently have seen seen be the right one. Um, other than trying to host, oh, oh yeah, math level. <laughs> Even like, I guess, like I said, I guess I'd given up because that one didn't surprise me in the least. But um, I don't, and plus with wealth trade, I don't think there's a a a, a, a de facto or even. Mm-hmm. A, a, a clear top top uh, contender. I'd like to see Wonder Boy get a shot, but you know he's he's not a top. He's won what two straight, but he's not like screaming out for for a title shot. So that's fine. Let let the division sort itself out some more, and let Usman destroy Masvidal again. So so be it. So yeah, or maybe, or maybe I'm just a uh, money whore, and I know this will bring in more more eyeballs to my articles and my site. So <laughs> I'm all for it. Who knows? Who's to say? Who's to say? I'm not above that. Um, I, yeah, so that, let's put a bow on things here. Uh, we will, like I said, we will be back for episode 23, which would be, you'll probably get it early Thursday morning, and we will be breaking down, not quite so stacked as it was, but but UFC 260 should still be interesting. I don't know who I'm picking. Do you know who you're picking in the main event yet? I'm, I'm kind of... I don't. I don't know who I'm picking yet. I, I'm, I like Naganu, but I will say this: okay, I good. hate that, I hate that he's a good. favorite. Yeah. I hate that he's a favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We will uh, we will break all that down in a few days. Uh, in the meantime, make sure you check all our stuff out at sportsgamblingpodcast.com and mma-manifesto.com. Um, listen to Dan's Top Turtle MMA podcast and Prelim Picker podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Jeff Fox Writer. And Gumby Vreeland. Uh, on fight nights, we have fun back and forth with each other. Um, well, at least it's fun for me. Uh, <laughs> maybe it'd be it fun was, for you it was, too. It was fun for me this week. <laughs> fun for Dan last week. He was memeing the hell out of me. He was sending me meme after meme. Uh, I think that's what the, you kids do. You meme each other. But um, regardless, um, check out that on Twitter. It's it's loads of fun. Um, and as per usual, I'll leave you with, with the words of um, our dearly departed Lemmy of Motorhead when he said, uh, I know I'm born to lose, but gambling's for fools, but that's the way I like it, baby. I ain't going to live forever. Bye-bye.